My name is Lauren. Welcome back to It's All Good, a podcast all about well-being. I have a guest joining me today. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Harpriya, and I am an engineering student at UBC in the middle of my third and fourth year, like 3.5. Very nice. Yeah. (laughs) And how do we know each other? Uh, Well, Lauren and I worked uh, for UBC camps, um, doing leadership camps, creating... (laughs) strong leaders of the next generation (laughs) and uh, we also did Uniquely You which is sort of like a preteen girls empowerment camp yeah I wonder where they are now you think they're being empowered somewhere yeah you know what we actually ran into the parents of one of the kids that we taught yeah that was so nice how nice how we weren't like paying attention and they just walked by and recognized both of us I'm just so honored that they did that it's really wholesome yeah anyway (laughs) so yeah welcome to the episode glad to be here (laughs) oh I guess I was talking to the listeners but also welcome (laughs) (laughs) welcome Harpria to the episode in this episode we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence and the importance of making time for yourself Harpria is going to share her story of how she learned to better understand her emotions and how she learned to cope with her anxiety So would you like to share that story? Well, I guess it all starts from, I guess we can start from first year. I had a, I had a quite a stressful first year with a lot of pressure put upon myself, like from myself and an expectation I put to basically get into my desired engineering program or specialization for a second year. In the beginning of my first year, the transition from high school I noticed there was a gap between me and a lot of my peers and a lot of my classmates where uh, basically in a competitive sense, I need to work harder to uh, achieve my goal just because I saw this gap between me and everyone else that I was interacting with. And um, in this process, I hadn't even realized that I gave up all my hobbies and interests and all the things that I thought were fun and essentially the things that, you know, made me happy to do them. So fast forwarding to the summer after second year where I'm living on my own and all of a sudden, like, get this break from school. I'm still doing two courses, but it's very light. And for the first time, I feel like I have free time. It, it, it was just a bit of a weird, weird experience just being, like, not being able to essentially, like, sit down and do something that wasn't productive or wasn't like actual work like he couldn't sit down and even like watch a YouTube video or or do something and shortly after this I started experiencing a lot of anxiety so relating to when I couldn't sit down I would just like try to sort of relax and not really focus on a specific thing just casually browse the internet or go on social media or try and watch TV, but anytime I would try doing this, I would just be washed over with anxiety and get this immediate reaction where I had to like get up and run or like go outside or it, 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 I just felt like I couldn't do it. This thing that I was experiencing, like although unlabeled at that point, eventually started getting worse where in those situations where I had free time or no specific goal to achieve or accomplish, at that moment, I would get 
panic attacks almost where I would start uh, hyperventilating, sharp breathing so hard where I felt like I was breathing a lot but not enough air was coming in for me to calm down, for me to relax. And basically I didn't know why this was happening. But I did know that I always felt like I had to be doing something. I had to assign myself something to do and not be alone. Uh, taking in advice of one of my close friends that I reached out to during this time, I started therapy. And uh, first of all, I like to say that everyone should have a therapist if they can. My experience with therapy at first was not very good. Uh, and just to backtrack a little, it was very hard to have this conversation because I didn't really know where to begin. Like, where do I go? Where do, where do I see a counselor? Where do I see a therapist? And I saw a brochure sitting on my mom's desk that talked about counseling where I think she got from a workshop. Um, and it was basically how her insurance covers therapy sessions. And it was a very awkward conversation because in my household, we're not very proactive about mental health and stuff like that. So I, I didn't feel like I could talk to my mom about what I felt or why I wanted to go see a therapist because she wouldn't think of it in a positive light. And at that point, I just, I felt like I wanted answers, but not to have that conversation where I talked about my emotions or talked about how I was feeling. I just took the brochure and I called the number on it. And it's basically an operator who connects you with different therapists in your area that no questions asked will see you. So I scheduled my first appointment and I didn't really know where to start and have that conversation with her either. But it was an environment where I felt like I could say things without being judged. So that was good, but I don't know, I didn't really feel connected with her. As I explained to her my situation, she gave me this analogy, that, which was, imagine yourself in a mattress in the middle of the ocean, and your anxiety is the waves washing over you. And for someone who can't swim, <laughs> that analogy was so terrifying. Basically, I found that she was just asking me to accept it, accept that this is a part of me, accept that, you know, sometimes I will get panic attacks, and I won't know why, and it's okay. But at that point, I didn't understand what any of this meant, and I just wanted answers. I wanted to know why. I wanted to know, like, how can I control this? How can I, how can I basically not deal with this? Like, just ignore it, not let it happen. But it was just there in my face, and I couldn't see when it was going to happen, and it just felt like a moment where I was just trapped with a lot of panic. But I didn't give up. I called the operator again. She connected me to a different therapist this time. I had a much better experience with her. Going over through telling the same story, I noticed I got better at explaining what was happening to me. She asked me one question, and it was, well, what do you do for self-care? And at this moment, I didn't really know what self-care meant, and I was a little bit like almost offended by this question because to me self-care meant you know like washing your hair and cutting your nails and presenting yourself and dressing up nice and that was self-care to me for some reason and she expanded on what it meant and she said it's when 
you take time for yourself and do the things that you love without focusing on all these expectations that either other people impose on you or you impose on yourself. And although, unfortunately, I couldn't see her again because I was starting work the next week with Lauren, um, she left me with this question and a lot of figuring out to do for my own. And which I liked. Question, unanswered questions meant that, you know, like I could see myself getting somewhere with basically this unlabeled thing. That's when I started journaling. I started journaling. I started realizing how I left a lot of things behind as I made school and grades my main focus. Then I started going back to do things that I stopped doing. I started biking that summer a lot. I started going to the beach and drawing and having some time by myself. And all things were good for a while. Although I did not have answers, I felt better. I felt more whole. Like I, like before, anytime when I was on my bed, completely alone, about to fall asleep, I would just have all these anxious thoughts that would make me want to stay awake, make me want to not lay down, make me want to get up and do something. But as I started filling my days with these activities that used to bring me joy, I found myself being more relaxed by the time the end of the day hit. A couple weeks into work, I was at the beach drawing and journaling, just sort of reflecting on how I had been dealing with my anxiety. And as I was writing down onto my journal, I was overcome by this, probably the worst episode of my panic attack. I couldn't control how I was reacting. I was completely just sitting there by the log, hyperventilating and just felt the need to, to run or like, I just felt so helpless. I, I didn't know what to do. It was the same thing with like trying to breathe, but not enough air was coming in. And, and I just felt so restless and I had to do something, but I didn't know what to do. And I wanted to know what was wrong, but I didn't feel like anything was really wrong. And I, I just didn't know what to do. I call my best friend during this attack. She basically like talked me through it. I decided to take the next day off and just reflect a little harder to see what it was that triggered that. There had to be something that I wasn't realizing. So the following week, Lauren and I were showing a TED Talk about conflict resolution to our leadership camp. And while watching that video with the camp, I had sort of a light bulb moment when the guy in the video talks about how he has this argument with his wife over <laughs> his cinnamon toast crunch cereal. He, he mentions that there's this part of your brain called the amygdala that is responsible for your instant reactions, your fight, flight, and freeze response. He talks, he goes into a little bit more detail about that, but not as much. He, it was just enough to get me wondering about my impulse responses, my sudden, like, panic, my sudden anxiety. And I think later on, I, like, sort of connected the dots with this article I came across also during camp. It talked about 
rewiring your brain. That also got me interested. I don't think, I think that was during our research for more material for the camp, but it wasn't necessarily something we like looked into. But I remember seeing that article and that day when I got home, I searched it up again, trying to find it. As I read it, it mainly talked about how like your neural pathways are created and how you can you can have a bit more control over what those pathways are and and create these patterns for yourself that can essentially change the way you think or change the way you how I saw it react while doing this and coming across more TED talks and many more articles I started creating like a map with like bubbles of like little pieces of information I would find from different videos, different different articles, and I would connect them together to relate to me. So throughout this like little research I started doing, I learned more about the function of the amygdala, more about neural pathways, and more about the subconscious mind. And I realized something about myself. A personality trait that I had was that I was highly conscientious, which meant I impose high expectations of myself from like having a fear of failure and a lack of validation. I always felt like like I had to prove myself. I think I was always like in a high pressure situation at home and I saw myself as something to prove not only to myself but to my parents or to make sure essentially that there was no doubt that I can do it if I want to do it and I can prove not only myself but them wrong in a sense that I can do it without any help I can be independent I can like it was more of an internal thing for me where I forced myself to push through it to make a point with all like this mapping of little snippets of articles and TED Talks I realized that what was happening to me with my panic attacks was that I sort of created a neural pattern where with the stress of school, I was able to go much longer without sleep, just entirely, I think, I think entirely based on um, the fear of failing and the fear of not being able to prove myself that I was able to, um, well, there's this, there's this chemical in your body called epinephrine, which is sort of like triggers like your adrenaline rush when you have more of it in your body than the normal. This adrenaline rush would be triggered as, you know, like a a deadline's coming soon or I have a final exam or something, something big where I had to do well, where I had an expectation for myself. So I had created this neural pattern where in high pressure situations, I can get epinephrine flowing through my body. I can get myself to stay awake, get myself to get through it. But so as I was trying to break out of this pattern, I saw my body trying to compensate with the this anxiety, this panic attack. So as I created this pattern for, for a constant stress or high pressure situation, as I tried to relax, I found more anxiety and a lot of this epinephrine buildup again where all this adrenaline trying to be released through an like intense panic 
or the feeling to run or like hyperventilation or um, something like that or like anything that I would experience during my panic attacks. And as I made that connection, I consciously tried to see where it was coming from, try to reflect more about how the past couple years went and how unhealthy it was to be constantly exposed to those high pressure situations while not, while not caring for myself and not making times, time for the things that you know, made me happy, made me, made me feel calm and collected and relaxed. After realizing that, making that connection, things got a lot more easier. As I reflected a little bit more, I realized the way I was dealing with expectation or my take on it was completely unsuitable for myself. And I know I needed a change and I had to actively do this. Another thing I realized during this time was that I really lacked emotional intelligence. <laughs> I wasn't able to know when something was wrong for me or when I was uncomfortable with something or anything was not okay or if I was upset. I just, I think for me, a long time after the situation has passed, I'd like feel an irk and be like, huh, like, I don't think I was happy when that happened. <laughs> like, uh, like just, like I don't think I let it go, air quotes per se, but it would just be bottled up inside of me. And yeah, I guess I just would never talk about it. I would also not, create an environment for myself where I would feel uncomfortable to talk about. I wouldn't even seek out that environment because it was not something I wanted to do. And frankly, it wasn't something I knew how to do. I knew that the next step for me would be to overcome this like inability to, to label what I was feeling when I was feeling it. Through my journaling process, I created a sort of emotional dictionary where I wrote rows and rows of different emotions and although like a lot of them were just synonyms of each other I think for me it was really really important to realize the difference between being angry frustrated annoyed like all those those can be really similar and you can be feeling different things at once like helping to label what I was feeling although like a variety of different things. It was really helpful. And I always try to answer the question, what am I feeling right now? Every single day in my journal, I'd come home and I'd answer that question. And as I made that a habit, I started to ask myself that during the day without my journal, I would think to myself, what am I feeling right now? Like if I could put any word to it, what would it be? And having a list of words in front of me to like choose and pick from was so incredibly helpful because if you're at the point where you're not exposed to like all like you can feel like a list of all these emotions I would just be like oh it's it's neutral it's it's okay like without a specific label but it could be I'm okay but I'm you know very calm right now or I'm okay but it's sort of uncomfortable here or I'm okay but I'm a little nervous or hyper excited or whatever yeah so that was I think one of the bigger things I got out of it although I didn't get the exact answer at the moment I wanted to like why is this happening I got better ways of dealing with this 
like I said earlier about the analogy of, you know, sitting on a mattress <laughs> in the middle of the ocean and having the waves wash over you, that didn't really work for me. And although that might work for some people, like, of course, I acknowledge that it's different for everyone. It was really important for me, I think, to realize the connections of the way my body functions in terms of the physical, more scientific aspect where I can realize, oh, this is kind of similar to, like for me, epinephrine is, is the same drug that's used in EpiPens, right? When you get an anaphylactic shock or due to an allergic reaction, that sort of made more sense to me as in why you would need like adrenaline rushing throughout your body to like, you know, make sure you're alive or, or something. And as I realized that, my body is fighting for me and it's just trying to make sure that I'm okay. It was really helpful. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That was really amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Wow, I I don't even know where to start because there's so many so many things that you brought up. And I think a lot of students can relate and also me, especially to you're talking about like not feeling like you can relax mm-hmm. even though like you always felt like this need to be doing something, right? Yeah. And that that stress like built up over time and that resulted in your panic attacks you feel like yeah definitely just the neglect I had for myself and in terms of taking a moment away from the expectations to just be myself Mm -hmm. like giving yourself permission to do something that you like doing exactly permission yeah yeah and that's hard to do when we have so much going on oh yeah definitely that's so funny the self-care story like (laughs) that yeah, it's funny because we were teaching that to our kids, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you were trying to figure out what that meant for yourself, yeah. too. And I think like looking at that parallel between with the girls' empowerment camp and how self-care was like a big theme of the camp. And like I myself was learning a lot while like not only working with you, but teaching all these ways to self-care that's <laughs> <laughs> the verb for self-care Ca- take care of yourself yeah take care of yourself and now you're a self-care expert well <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say expert I'm still learning mm-hmm. yeah found a couple extra things that helped me oh like for example last year uh, you and I did the kickboxing class yeah yeah and kickboxing was something I wanted to do for a really long time so I'm really glad to develop that skill set with you and now we are pro kickboxers absolutely <laughs> we were in the uh what, what's it called what's that ma- that wrestling match called what? mma oh i don't see <laughs> never mind <laughs> i couldn't tell you <laughs> uh, you can tell the level that we're at but um yeah and you were saying like that hour every week like that was the one time that you had where you didn't think about school or anything else yeah 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 it's definitely something I look forward to at the end of my week and I knew that it was just like my one hour where I didn't think about anything else and I just had a good time Mm -hmm. uh oh I also took upon swimming after me (laughs) 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 coming back to that analogy again Mm -hmm. um yeah that was that was also something that, like, had to overcome, like, that fear of right. <laughs> being in water and, yeah. So what would you recommend for students that don't, or maybe they feel like self-care is indulgent or they feel like, oh, how is this going to help me? That is an interesting question because I was in that same position for so mm-hmm. long where I didn't think that 
spending any time towards not actively increased like getting to my goal would help me at all but you'd be surprised at how much better you can get and not only managing your time being efficient being creative during all the time that you spent towards your hobbies your interests the things that you think are fun and those things are there that you like to take inspiration from to put into your work to put into different all other aspects of your life and to see that come together I feel like it's so so important to take that step back as hard as that can be it's really important to take that step back and and realize the instant difference it can make to focus on yourself for just a moment yeah yeah you deserve it exactly everyone (laughs) does so let's go in, let's talk about emotional intelligence because you brought that up. Yeah. So how would you describe what it is to someone who has no idea what it is? I would think of emotional intelligence as basically knowing how to describe what you're feeling when you're feeling it and acknowledging what you're feeling. I think that's a bigger part of it, um, the acknowledgement, instead mm-hmm. of pushing it aside, leaving it for later. Whether that's speaking up about it or knowing the right time to deal with whatever you're feeling, I would say the most important part is acknowledgement of Mm -hmm. what you're feeling. Yeah. So you're saying how you had this whole list of emotions and when you were able to list how you were feeling, like, did you feel more in control of those emotions? Like, what did it feel like? Yeah, definitely. Like, if I was able to label it, I knew that I had control over what it was. And, and that often goes for, like, in situations that I was upset. Like, if I knew something was wrong and I was able to realize, first of all, what I'm feeling and then later on why I'm feeling it, I instantly could tell that, you know, I can fix this and think of an approach or a way to deal with it. And, and it's a process, right? Like, I, like, still to this day, if, I, like, have a harder time during confrontation or addressing an issue, but it's a learning process, and I think definitely I've gotten so much better at it uh, compared to last year where, you know, I would just push it aside, not realize it was bothering me. Mm -hmm. Did it seem easier to ignore or avoid these feelings? Oh, yeah, definitely. Ignoring Mm -hmm. is probably the easiest path still to me. (laughs) Oh, Um, yeah, totally. But I know that. If I do that, I'm going down a path where it'll just be harder later on. It's so easy to avoid negative feelings. Yeah. But then later I realize, oh, it's going to bother me and it's going to be worse unless I deal with it right now. I really love how you had this list so you develop this emotional vocabulary Mm because I also try to like check in with myself because I found that like at the beginning of yoga classes, they'll always say like, okay, check in to see like how you're feeling right now. And I never thought of it as a helpful thing to do. I thought, mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. That's just what they teach you in yoga school. <laughs> but then I learned more about the science behind labeling your emotions and gaining more control from being able to acknowledge them, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And then I realized how much power you have once you check in with yourself and how yeah. you're doing. And I also try to do that. I also try to do what you do. Like, how am I feeling right now? Because sometimes I I don't know what I'm feeling. Yeah. But when yeah. I take the time to think, okay, break it down, mm-hmm. maybe think, when have I felt like this before? Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, okay. You create space between your your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially if it's something that's just like 
clouding your head and what you're doing in the moment like I feel it's so much more effective to just take a pause and think and break it down like you said Mm -hmm. and that goes into journaling that's something you started definitely yeah and tell me how did journaling help you in developing emotional intelligence as I started journaling I was able to ask myself what I'm feeling like I described earlier and get a better idea of what I'm feeling and look back to see when I felt like it before or how I dealt with that situation. But I was also able to get a better idea of the influences and different things that made me feel that way. By doing this, I got a better grasp of navigating through uncomfortable situations. I find journaling most effective when I'm dealing with unfortunate circumstances So not necessarily like people-to-people situations, but just situations that can't happen because of a certain something, something in the way, there's last-minute planning or um, something that you wouldn't have the foresight for. And often when there's like, like situations like these, you don't really understand that you've had this expectation on yourself or that why you would feel disappointed. So I find that journaling about why I felt upset, why I felt disappointed, um, and realizing the expectation really helps me come to terms with the unfortunate circumstance, whatever that may be. Mm. And sometimes it takes more journaling or more days to come to terms with um, the situation. And sometimes it takes not that long. Um, but it definitely is a great way for me to see the words on paper and just look at them and see how I can isolate myself from the situation. That is like, I feel a benefit of journaling on paper. Mm-hmm. Like I tried doing it digitally as well and it's just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I used to do the online journal too, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it has to do with that I'm like a faster typer than writer but maybe when I'm journaling I can like it gives me more space and time to like mm-hmm. process through emotions slowly instead of just like ranting yeah because I guess then like I, I always journal with a pen so that I'm not thinking about like erasing anything I wrote because I wanted to be there right and like hitting the backspace button is so easy and I feel like for myself while journaling um using my laptop or something I'd have the tendency to reword stuff or like Mm. yeah oh yeah totally almost like judge what I'm writing which is what Mm -hmm. I don't want I just want everything to just be there on paper yeah Yeah. you want a stream of consciousness without like the opportunity to edit things yes yeah so I also like a physical journal but something I started doing probably oh like maybe three years ago now but I record myself speaking on voice notes on my phone and it's kind of like a, not not like a diary where I'm saying like, oh, this is what I did today. Although sometimes I, I will. But it's more so for me to like process what I'm thinking and feeling. Because sometimes like my mind's racing so fast that it's hard for me to write it down. Because mm-hmm. there's just so many things I want to say. And I can speak faster than writing. Which is kind of the opposite of the what I, I was talking about typing. It's like, oh, this is the faster way. But for me, it's very therapeutic. It's like therapy, except it's only me. Like, I just record myself talking about something 
if I'm, like, really frustrated or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm angry about something, I'll, like, talk it out. Mm-hmm. And I feel so much better after. Oh, and that, I... Go ahead. That, that's interesting because uh, when we talked about journaling, we, we talked about um, having the words be physically present on paper and like that being right. one of the benefits. Mm-hmm. So with these voice memos, do you, do you listen back to them as well? Um, not right away. Okay. Yeah. Like, so yeah, listening isn't the aspect, I guess. It's more so being able to talk about it. Mm. For me, that's really cathartic. Like venting and like letting it out. Yeah, I guess so. I started doing it and I never realized like how cathartic it felt. So yeah, I do it like all the time. Oh, like every every day, <laughs> <laughs> I like check in with myself and I'll be like, "This is what I, this is what I'm thinking today," and not even just like negative emotions. If I'm having a really great day, like I'll talk about it mm-hmm. just so later on I can listen back to it and remember. I see. Yeah, I feel like we covered so many different topics in this episode, mm-hmm. talking about therapy and panic attacks and emotions and journaling. Wow, that was a lot. <laughs> but I guess our takeaway for listeners is to maybe check in with yourself more and ask yourself what kind of emotions am I feeling if that's something that you don't do Mm because I think both of us find that really helpful to just evaluate um, and not be afraid to deal with emotions. Yeah, definitely. I'd say um, don't be afraid to acknowledge them. Don't be afraid to find the right next step for you when you're feeling what you're feeling and I think it's also important to know that there's not a wrong feeling you're feeling Mm -hmm. something because of a reason whatever that may be and it's up to you to figure that out by whatever means voice notes (laughs) uh journaling typing whatever that is Mm -hmm. but practice your self-care Absolutely. Maybe that's like talking to a friend. Maybe that's going to therapy. Yeah. Whatever works for you. Yeah. And we're definitely not saying this is easy. I mean, I think for both of us, it took us a long time to oh, be able to develop this emotional vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So um, and it's definitely hard to like deal with negative emotions. And like we said, it's easy to want to push it away. Yeah. And I think we can both, we both relate on that. But and like in leadership camp, as we mm-hmm. as we taught our kids, it's it's definitely a skill that mm-hmm. you build over time, and it's important to get that experience in. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's it for our episode. Thank you so much for being on it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening, and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app, and you can leave a rating or a review. Uh, like the Facebook page to stay updated for new episodes every Wednesday. Bye.